series of holidays. It's been kind of fun. Thanksgiving was uh, different for all of us, but still, we have much to be thankful for. We went into Christmas. Right after Christmas, we, of course, celebrated New Year's in one way or the other. Usually, holidays are times that families set time apart to celebrate. And if that's true, it seems like as followers of Jesus Christ, we should have holidays for certain things that we do want to celebrate. And we do. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Easter. Many churches celebrate Epiphany and Pentecost. But today, as Pastor Darth mentioned, we really feel 2021 is the year for our church to get back to the basics. And one of the basics of living a victorious Christian life is the Word of God. So today, I want to celebrate the Bible. Are you with me? <laughs> celebrate the Bible. Man, there are a lot of Christians in the world today that do not have access to the Bible. But did you know 20% of Americans have at least five different copies of the Bible in their home? 20% of Americans have at least five copies of the Bible available to them. But are we reading them? Are we meditating upon these words that give us spiritual life? Are we memorizing them? Do we have a systematic way of allowing those laws and precepts of God to form our daily decisions? I just want to celebrate today, January 10th. Now, I know some of you chocolate fans realize that today is National Bittersweet Chocolate Day. Did you know that? Yep. All the chocolate fans knew that. But I also want to declare January 10th as the day that at least here at Wenatchee First Assembly, we celebrate the Bible. Christians across the world and throughout the ages uh, have looked to this book as more than a book. And maybe you're watching online and you don't understand why Christians hold this book in such reverence. I want you to know followers of Christ believe the Bible to be more than a book. It's what we call Scripture. Now, if you're not part of the church, you might think, well, what is Scripture? Scripture is kind of a fancy religious word in a way that we believe that the Bible is divine communication, divine communication from God, the creator of the universe, the one that actually created you in your mother's womb, the one that is there for you even today. This is his primary way of communicating with us. It's his love letter. It's the story of God's redemption from the beginning to the end. And because of that, we believe that when people hear and understand the Word of God, when they encounter His Spirit through the Word of God, their life is transformed. It is hard, friends, for you to live a victorious Christian life if you are not feeding your heart, your soul, your spirit, your mind with God's Word. That's why in 2021, as a church, we are journeying through the Word, 
and don't let that intimidate you. I mean, most days it's 15, maybe 20 verses. We're not talking about a long, uh, tedious process. We're talking about you taking five minutes every day and reading with us the Word of God, believing it's going to change us. This morning, I want you to take your Bible if you have it, or you can uh, see it on the screen behind me. I want you to turn to Psalm 19. And we're going to specifically find four reasons today why you and I as Christ followers should be celebrating the Scripture. And again, if you're here today or if you're watching online, if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope this message will bring you joy, will bring you hope, will bring you this sense of celebration for God's Word And if you're watching online or maybe you're here even in person and and you're still kind of investigating, maybe COVID has left you uh, lonely and questioning things and you're just looking for something to anchor your, your heart in. So you're investigating Christianity. I welcome you and I want you to know that this message today will help you understand why this book that we call the Holy Bible is so important to us who follow Jesus Christ. Now in Psalm chapter 19, let's begin with verse number 7 and read through the end of the chapter. Will you stand with me as we read? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Now let's stop for just a minute. And ask ourselves, does my soul need revived? Man, living in this world, we can just get all the life sucked out of us because of all that's happening. If you need your soul revived, here's an answer right here. It says it's the law of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord that will revive your soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Let me talk just a moment about Psalm 19. It's a fascinating part of the Bible. If you don't know, let me just tell you the Psalms, what we call the Psalms, many churches refer to it as the Psalter because it's like a song book. These are psalms, they're songs, songs that were sung to God in worship. So we read them, 
But back in the day, they sang them. The Psalms are kind of like lyric sheets. You know, if you um, still buy CDs, they're kind of a thing of the past. Most of us get our music digitally. But when you used to get a CD, in the CD, there was a, a lyric sheet. And you could see the lyrics. And those are the lyrics that people used to worship God with privately and publicly back in the Old Testament. It was the Psalms. And the worship song naturally divides into two parts. I only read the second part of Psalm 19. But the first six verses, if you look at the first six verses, it, it reveals uh, uh, God in nature. God reveals himself in nature. Romans reiterates that. The heavens themselves, the Bible says, declare God's greatness and majesty. So the first six verses aren't talking about the scripture. It's just talking about the creation. Man, the way that in the springtime, when there's still snow and ice, crocuses begin to appear. It talks about the beauty of creation, the cycle of life, the miracle of birth itself. It talks about how God reveals himself in ways that people can understand even if they don't have the word of God. Those first six verses of Psalm 19 really are a celebration of God's disclosure of himself in a world of nature. And we've all experienced it. I've thought this week of some of the ways that I have seen God in nature. Man, the Grand Tetons. Oh, the Canadian Rockies. Lake Louise. Banff. The white sands of the Turks and Caicos Islands. Sleeping on top of Mount Adams. Waking up to the darkest, dark, black darkness I've ever, ever experienced. And then going outside the tent and seeing the sky full of bright, shining, glittering stars. Standing on top of Mount Rainier, looking north and seeing Mount Baker, looking south and seeing all the way to Mount Hood. The awesomeness of God's creation declare God's greatness, his majesty. But then the writer in Psalm 19, beginning of verse 7, kind of shifts his focus. And he says, God also reveals himself in the written scripture, in the Bible. Now let's remember when this psalm was written, it was talking about the Jewish scriptures. Probably just the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. However, what's said here still applies as a uh, as not just to the first five books of the Bible, but to the entire canon of the Bible. All the Old Testament books, all the New Testament books, all the books that throughout the years the church has declared to be the inspired, written, verbal, inerrant scriptures. Now in the first six verses, notice that the God is, is addressed in a title, and, and this is important. I, I hope you don't think I'm just sharing a lot of details for information's sake. I, I hope this information will help your heart understand why the Scripture is so important. 
Verses 1 to 6 focus on the title God. The heavens declare the glory of God. It's not a name, it's a title. You might have the title of father, grandfather, doctor, whatever your title is. That's not your name, it's your title. So here, God is a title. However, in verses 7 to 14, man, God is addressed in a much more personal manner. Because instead of the word God, it's the word Lord. And if if you look, probably your Lord is all capital letters in most English translations because it represents the word Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh is a Hebrew word that is not a title. It is a personal name. Yahweh is the personal name God gave to the people of Israel. And in fact, the name Jesus means Yahweh saves. So do you understand that God reveals himself in kind of a a general way? I am God, and you can see me in the mountains, you can see me in nature, you can see me in creation. But there's another way God reveals himself, in a much more personal way. As Yahweh, he says, I want you not just to know my title, I want you to know my name, I want you to know that I am Abba, Father, and I do that through the Word of God. They're both wonderful ways of God revealing himself to man. But as followers of Christ, we need to move beyond the title to the personal name. In the first six verses, we learn through nature that we can know certain things about God. You know God exists. You know God's powerful. You can know he's good. You can know he's just. You can know all those things. But through Scripture, we can actually come to know God personally. In a personal way. The Bible just isn't an information book or a book of data. The Bible is an instrument. It's divine communication to take us from knowing about God to knowing God. Now don't miss out on really how profound that statement is. That's why as a church we're reading through the Bible. We don't want to know more about God this year. We want to know God. How do we know God in a personal way, this Yahweh, Abba way? It's through his word. Through scripture we encounter God. We come to know him the way that you know a friend. So in the second half of this psalm, which is what I read, I want to get back to these four reasons, and I won't spend a lot of time, but I want us to to look at four reasons we celebrate the Bible. The Bible is Scripture because God uses it to nourish our souls. It's like bread, like physical bread is to your physical body. The Word of God is the bread of spiritual life. Emotional health, (laughs) mental peace, spiritual bread. It nourishes us. When we read there, you might have noticed there is several different words they have used to describe the Bible. If you count them, there's actually six. 
Six different words used to describe the Bible in Psalm 19, 7 to 9. Law, statute, precept, command, fear, and ordinance. Now, we're not going to look at all six of those words, but let me say most of us don't get very excited when we hear the word law. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord, it's the law. It's, we, it sounds kind of boring. It's kind of like, you know, well, go read the Washington Vehicle Code. No one's going to do that. And when you read the word law, you think, oh, I'm not interested in reading that, because to law is restrictive. Laws are something we look for loopholes in. It's not a law generally we don't celebrate. But here I want you to realize, in English it's translated law, but in Hebrew it's Torah, and Torah means instruction. It means teaching. So you can substitute the word law with the word teaching, and you'll be fine, and it'll give you a better idea. Oh, teaching. Well, if I want to follow Jesus I need to sit under his teaching. It's a little bit more palatable, but we're not taking anything out of context here because, again, the Hebrew word Torah means teaching or instruction. So here, the psalmist celebrates the Torah of Yahweh because it's teaching directly from God, giving us wisdom from God. The other five words are different ways, really, of describing the different parts of the Bible. And we're not going to go into all that. But along with those six ways, we find several descriptions of what the Bible's like. It's perfect. It's perfect in the sense that it's complete. Perfect always means complete. Even in the New Testament, James says, you should be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. doesn't mean we're going to be sinless it does mean we're going to be complete. We're complete in Jesus. So perfect is complete. The Bible has exactly everything we need to know about God and how to live our lives for God. It's perfect or complete in that way. It's trustworthy. It refers to the Bible's reliability. The fact that we can count on what's recorded here. You know, it's funny that many things written a hundred years ago in the scientific field are now completely obsolete. You know, pick up a physics book from a hundred years ago and you'll see that the thing is obsolete. Because what was true in physics then are no longer viewed in light of this quantum theory now. And that's the way specific knowledge is. It's always growing and changing. But the message of the Bible is different it's reliable. It's trustworthy. The Bible is right in the sense that it puts us on a straight path instead of a crooked path. It's radiant. It's pure. It, it hasn't been corrupted. Oh, yes, in the, the years of translations, we can nitpick translation errors, but the Word of God itself is pure. It's everlasting. It's trustworthy. It's reliable. It revives our souls. Didn't we read that? Like a hot cup of cocoa when you're coming in from a cold night of shoveling snow. 
It makes wise the simple, like the directions to the impossible model. It floods our hearts with joy. It gives light to our eyes. It endures forever. In short, the Bible is the bread of our spirit. It nourishes us. Jesus said, people shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus himself is comparing the Bible to spiritual bread with physical bread that feeds our, our physical needs. You know, sometimes as a church, we try to find all kinds of ways to help people find nourishment for your souls. I hope some of you will consider entering into the Brian Study Center. What a, what a wonderful way of, of really going deep. Others of you, I just invite you to come on this journey with us and read through the Bible this year. It will provide that kind of nourishment for you. Don't think that can be substituted in other ways. Oh, I love worship music, but worship music is not the Word of God. You know what I'm saying? I, I love church potlucks back in the day when we could have church potlucks. <laughs> Remember those days? It's what we call the good old days. <laughs> and hopefully they'll return again. I, I love fellowship. Fellowship is important. But it's not the Word of God. You cannot substitute, friends, the Word of God with anything else. There's a book out right now. Uh, it's been out for several years called God in the Stadium. And uh, the central thesis of the book is that sports has achieved really the role of a religion in the American culture. It's a very interesting book. Uh, there's one newspaper that actually has underneath their, their name, uh, it says, if sports is your religion, then we're your Bible. See, people try to nourish themselves with, with sports or with relationships or with television celebrities, or with politicians. But friends, nothing satisfies, nothing nourishes your soul like the Scripture does. Man, there's many things in our culture that promise, man, this will revive your soul, revive your spirit. But today, I want us to celebrate that the Bible is the Scripture. The Bible nourishes us. The second thing I notice here is found in verse number 10. Christians celebrate the Bible as Scripture because it's a value to our life. A value not only nourishes us, it brings value. You see, if you're really, really hungry, you can eat a whole bag of potato chips and your hunger will go away. <laughs> not much value there. But the Scripture brings value to us. Now, in verse number 10, you'll see it says that the Scripture is compared to gold. It says, more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. You've got to remember, gold was the primary and the most valuable currency available when this psalm was written. So put it in context. It was the primary and the most valuable currency. Yet the psalmist finds that the Bible is, he saying, worth more than a lot of money, more than gold. 
And then he says the sweetness of honey. Well, honey during this day was a luxury. The common person could not have honey when the psalmist wrote this psalm. It was reserved for the very wealthy. So again, the writer of Psalms is saying, man, I, I mean, you and I in this day, we, we, most of us have honey. But think of something like, you know, cheesecake <laughs> or cream brulee, you know. <laughs> the psalmist says, man, the Bible is still sweeter than those finest things that are reserved for the elite. Now, I want you to understand that we don't worship the Bible. The Bible is not on the same level as the triune God. We worship God. And as Christians, we believe that the most complete revelation of who God is, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Yet without this Bible, we wouldn't know anything about Jesus, about what he taught, about what he accomplished. So if we want to know God, we need to see Jesus. We need the Word of God. And once you understand that for Christians, the value of the Bible is without measure, you can understand the great sacrifices a lot of Christians make. I mean, beginning back before the King James Version, there was a Bible before the King James Version. A guy by the name of William Tyndale lived in England in the 1500s. William Tyndale was the first person to translate the Bible into English. Lifelong project. Cost Tyndale his career, cost him his freedom, ultimately cost him his life. A martyr for the Word of God. Burned at the stake. What was the crime? Translating the Bible into English. But even today, in so many nations around our world, this Bible is banned. And if a pastor has an entire book of a Bible, <laughs> it's amazing. Many pastors are pastoring churches in China and other places today. They might only have two or three pages out of a Bible. And those pages are valuable to them. Today, we celebrate the value of the Scripture. But another reason, friends, that we need to celebrate the Bible, we need to read the Bible, and it is so important, particularly in this day and age, is the Bible provides us a moral compass. I don't care what other people say, truth is not subjective. There is real truth. Look at verses 11 and 13. It's the words of the Bible that warn us about the wrong turns of life. I'm warned about not keeping the word of God. I'm also told that there's great reward if I do keep it. It also says that it will show me my hidden spots. How can I discern my ways, my errors? Man, we all have blind spots. But the Bible is like a mirror. That's what James says. You look into it. You oh, I got a little bit of blemish on my cheek. I, I need to get off. Man, when you're tempted to be unfaithful to your spouse, <laughs> you read the Bible. 
and see the incredible dev, uh, devastation that unfaithfulness will bring you. It's a moral compass for you when you can't trust your feelings. Because we can't trust our feelings. In fact, the Bible says we can't even trust our heart. But we can trust the Word of God. When I tempted to think that I'm responsible for my own success, <laughs> I read the Bible and I discover the intoxicating power of pride that has been the downfall of so many people. Man, the Bible's full of stories of warnings, and anyone who will read them with an open heart will see that it'll provide a north star for you. It will be a moral compass. Friends, I'm here today to tell you, we need a moral compass in our society of the United States in 2021. And that moral compass is not provided by the platform of any political party. It is provided by God himself revealed in his word. As I mentioned before, there might be areas of our life that we have blind spots. Things deep that we've buried in the depths of our souls. Patterns of life that we're no longer even able to detect. The Bible helps us to discern those errors. It guards us against willful rebellion in our relationship with God. All of us at times rebel against God willfully. <laughs> and we know what God wants us to do. And we just decide, nope, we're going to do things our way. And when we do that, and the more we do that, you become captive to that choice. And when you become captive to that choice, then you develop an addictive behavior that can't be broke except through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word. The Bible is a moral compass for life, and it can help us be blameless. I love that word, blameless. It's not used um, in every translation. It is used in the English Standard, which is the translation I've chosen for today. But in verse 13, it says, then I shall be blameless. That is the exact same word, Hebrew word, that's translated perfect in verse 7. So in verse 7, where it says the law of the Lord is perfect, it's the same word translated in verse 13, that I shall be blameless. And again, it means whole and complete. That's what it means. The Bible can help us be complete and whole, blameless. Finally, this morning, the fourth value of feeding our spirit and our mind scriptures every single day is it empowers us. And we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live righteous lives, to be the light to a dark world. It's too easy for us to get sucked into all the other stuff around us. We need to stand firm. We need to say there is hope, and that hope is found in Jesus. So we celebrate today the Scripture because it empowers us to live a life that's acceptable to God. And here we see it, the last verse let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock, 
my Redeemer. The psalmist is asking God to empower him, to put spiritual batteries in him, so to speak, so that he can live a life that's pleasing to God. You are not going to please everybody, friends. I'm not going to please every member of our church. The governor or the president will not please all the citizens. But what matters to you and I is that we please God. When you lay your, your head down on your pillow, the question you need to ask is, is Jesus smiling? Is Jesus smiling about the decisions I made today? Am I pleasing to God? And the Bible empowers us to speak words that are edifying, that are uplifting, so that what comes out of our inner life is pleasing to God. It also enables our inner thought life. That's our meditations to be pleasing to God. You know, many of us would be humiliated if people could really read our minds. Our inner thought lives can just be a, a cesspool of sin and corruption. Yet the Bible is Scripture. It has power, not just to save us from our sin, but to cleanse our mind. That's why Romans says, don't be conformed to the things of the world. Be transformed daily by the renewing of your mind. The prayer ends with the psalmist uplifting God as his rock and his redeemer. God's like a rock because he's unchanging. He's solid. That's why the Bible itself has lasted so long. Oh, there's been governments. There's been dictators. There's been all sorts of assaults on the Bible throughout the years. But it stands because it's protected and it's preserved by God. He is our redeemer in the sense that he rescues us. So this psalm presents us with this wonderful celebration of Scripture. And as a nation, we have been blessed. We probably have over a dozen different translations of the Bible. And I have people often say, well, what translation is best? And I always say the same thing, the one that you'll read. King James, New Living, New American Standard, English Standard Version, whatever you will read is the best translation. Man, as I said before, one out of four Americans owns at least five Bibles. Yet there's people in the world today that don't have scriptures. That's why... As a church, we do our best to look beyond ourselves and support not just medical missions in Congo, but, you know, we have a couple right now that we support not only monthly with money, but with our prayers as well. Martin and Alice Reed, they're with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Great young couple, just had another baby last fall. They are about as far north as you can go in the province of Quebec. They're not theologians. They're not pastors. They're linguists. Both of them have degrees. 
They're helping the Cree people not just preserve their culture with oral tradition, but they're up there right now in some very remote, tough conditions with Wycliffe Bible. They've published one child's book, first book ever in the Cree language for children. And it was about the love of God. It was about Jesus. We need to take advantage of the scriptures that we have available, but we also need to keep praying and giving and helping people like the Reeds through our missions budget to help others because the word of God is sharp. It pierces us. It divides The Word of God is alive. It's fresh. And many of you know that. You can read a scripture in one season of your life and it ministers to you. It is spot on. And five years later, you're in a whole different situation. You read the same scripture and you have new insight. You've experienced that. I've experienced that. Because the Word of God is alive. It's speaking to us. It nourishes us. It brings value to our life. It's a moral compass, and it empowers us. I encourage you to take a journey through the Word with us. And go to our website, wfa.church. Go to resources, and it says, Journey Through the Word. If you're here in person today, as you leave at each of the doors, you can pick up a printed copy. If you'd rather have a printed copy... But I encourage you to get into the Word daily. And then on Wednesdays, come and share. It was great to hear what the Holy Spirit had revealed to various people last week as we gathered together. I've got just a couple minutes left, and I want to share with you something that I think will be of help as you read through the Word this week and this month and this year, because this is a year-long journey. And it's a method of reading the Bible that was developed years ago by uh, Wayne Cordero, who is the pastor of First Assembly of God in Honolulu, Hawaii. This has been around for a long time, but I want to introduce it to you today. It's called the SOAP method, S-O-A-P. See, it's real easy to remember, SOAP, right? SOAP. So in the mornings when you read your 12 or 18 or 20 verses, Here's what I'd encourage you to do. After you're done reading, ask yourself, which scripture really stood out to me today? For instance, in our reading is about Noah. (laughs) The scripture that stood out to me was the one that said, Noah walked with God. Man, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. That's a scripture I chose out of the ones that I read that day. The O is to observe. Observe the context of how that was written. Observe who said it and and who it was said to. Just ask yourself questions. Observe that scripture. Sometimes you'll see, oh, well, that is referring to the Messiah, referring to Jesus. You'll find all sorts of connections if you just stop and observe. The A is application. How does that apply to me? 
How can that scripture help me be stronger in my walk with the Lord? So find a scripture, do the observation, apply it, find application, and then the P stands for prayer. And that's as important as any of the other three. It's to then close your Bible and say, Lord, thank you for showing me this scripture today. Thank you that you want me to apply it to my life. Will you help me? Will you bring this scripture back to my mind? I've started a little journal, and it's not, it's like two sentences a day. But I've decided that every day I'm going to actually record in the journal which scripture came out in my spirit. This morning, if you've already read your scriptures about Abram and Sarah, and how the angel announced, Sarah, you're going to have a baby. And she laughed and said, well, how can I have a baby? I'm way past that age. And, and the angel said, with God, all things are possible. And I thought, man, that's the scripture I want to take into my day. <laughs> no matter what, God, with God, all things are possible. Well, how do I apply that? And then to pray. So I encourage you, friends. Not just today, but all through this entire year of 2021, to accept our invitation, Pastor Allen, Pastor Darth, and myself spent an entire day together the first of this month praying and just talking and processing and dreaming and having visions, and this is really what we felt we needed to do and how we needed to lead our church. So we're inviting you to join us through a journey through the word. I hope today you have sensed the incredible honor and privilege it is for us to have the word and how it'll nourish us, how it will bring us value, how it'll be our moral compass, how it will empower us. And I hope that you will use this simple method of SOAP method this year, let's let God transform our hearts and lives through his word. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we live in this great country, that we have access to the written word of God, to the word of God through podcasts, through CDs. Lord, I thank you that we have this great resource of your divine communication to us. And Lord, I pray that we will each in this place today and those watching at home will make a decision that this year of 2021 that we will take this journey through the word. That Lord, that you will show us those scriptures that we can take and apply to our life and that through the power of the Holy Spirit we will not just know about you, a title, but we will know you intimately by name that we will create this ear to hear your voice throughout the day. May your scriptures, O oh God, truly be the light and the lamp to our feet. In Jesus' name.